Okay, we're going to continue with uh, some applications off of the lecture today about wrath. Um, a couple of things that we can touch on here. For those uh, who are concerned that evil seems to get away with it and that offends our sense of personal justice, I think we can all rest assured that nothing is hidden from God and there is no such thing as a secret sin. That may be comforting and it may be horrifying to us, but that uh, is the truth. Eventually, if not in our lifetime, then at the second coming and the great day of judgment, God's perfect justice will be applied. Amos 5.24 says, Let justice roll down like the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And it will. And you know what? At that point, none of us will have a complaint about how God conducts his business. We can safely leave this in God's hands, assured that one day he will make all things right. And we can leave that to him. A second question I've gotten from some folks this week is the difference between God's discipline and God's wrath. Um, they're not the same thing. <laughs> if we are covered by God's, uh, by Christ's righteous robes, we, we are no longer in danger of suffering the wrath or the condemnation of God. He is our just judge, yes, and we will stand before him one day. But he is also our loving Heavenly Father. And like any good parent, our Heavenly Father trains His children in godliness. In other words, He disciplines us. Discipline is God's love projected onto us. Now, it may take us a while to recognize that, to recognize that discipline is an expression of love. But God, of course, wants the best for us, and He wants us to be who who He created us to be. And so... He will discipline us so that we may walk as Christ walked and we may be children of light. So that's the second thing. The third question I've gotten this week, several people have asked if I think the current um, COVID-19 pandemic was sent by God or if it was just a result of us living in a fallen world. That is a different way of asking the age-old question of how could a good and loving God cause or allow all of this suffering. That's a question that minds and hearts far greater and deeper than mine have pondered and worked on throughout the years. And frankly, it's way above my pay grade. But the question I ask myself when confronted with that is, does it matter? Does it matter? Regardless of the how or the why, the who remains the same. God is sovereign. He is in control. He will use this current time we're in, and in fact all times that we are in, to accomplish His purposes and to bring Him glory. Now don't ask me how. That's definitely a God-sized job. Uh, The last I checked, his ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts, and he doesn't consult me on how to carry out his plans. But he is still worthy of our trust in spite of all of this. So, how do we respond? What can we actually do? Uh, What's an, uh, um, an application of this lesson on God's wrath? I'm going to suggest uh, three things approaching Holy Week. The first thing is to spend some time in deep reflection. 
time alone with God, asking Him to reveal your heart. You know, we are so prone to regard sin, especially if it's our own sin, very lightly and to dismiss it. So this is a time really for letting the Holy Spirit examine us without rationalizing our sin. Ask the Lord to break your heart with the things that break His. And as a result, we can confess our sin. We can confess our sin. We can confess corporate sin on behalf of of our family, our church, our nation. Um, We can confess and receive God's forgiveness and thank Him that He Himself paid our debt so that we can come to Him as friends because of His action on our behalf on the cross. There's great freedom in that, in conviction, confession, and repentance. When we live in the freedom of that, we want others to have that freedom too. So the second thing I would ask you to do during this time leading up to Holy Week is identify and pray for the people that the Lord brings to your mind that don't know His life-giving grace and mercy. Pray that His Spirit will woo not only us closer to Christ, but those people to Christ, that He will draw them in, because we know that Christ is the only protection in the storm. And the third thing after you've been reflecting and confessing and repenting and praying for others, is to spend time in praise. Review the attributes of God we've explored this year. Sink deeply into them. Let them wash over you. Let them wrap you in a warm blanket. Because it it will fill us with awe, and it's a reminder of the awesome God we worship. Yes, He is a God of wrath. But in the end... God's wrath is temporary. His love, on the other hand, lasts forever. Amen and amen. Okay, I'm going to close with some final thoughts about what I am trying to do during this love in the time of COVID-19. And and that means how, loving God and loving ourselves and, and loving our neighbors. How do we, How do we actually go about that? Um, The coronavirus has had an impact on all of us, and we need to at least admit it. Um, When asked, how are you doing? How are you doing? Most of us say fine. I myself have responded fine to innumerable people in the past week. And then Sunday night, something happened. Harold and I had had a lovely Sabbath uh, worship online prayer. We had a drive in the country to see the blue bonnets. We had a great conversation. Supper was simmering on the stove. And so late that afternoon, uh, I went in to tackle the bookshelves in our living room, which have been irritating me for about 20 years. Now, I had already started sorting out the children's books and putting them in piles, you know, the save pile, the giveaway pile, uh, that kind of thing. So I was just going to spend five or ten minutes putting one of those piles back on the shelf. And I was truly at peace, and I was just thanking God for all of the blessings that He has given me in my life. And and suddenly I realized I had been standing in one place holding a book, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it, and I didn't know how long I'd been standing there. 
I had been lifting books and putting them right back down. And I realized I was unable to concentrate more than about 10 seconds at a time. And I thought, what in the world is this? When, when have I felt like this before? I felt lost. I felt anxious. I felt confused. I was tired. And I realized that what I was actually feeling was grief. This is what I felt when our daughter was killed. That inability to concentrate. That, that setting out to do one thing and then forgetting to do it. That, that sense of dis-ease, that something wasn't right. I was grieving. I was grieving loss. The loss of time with my precious grandchildren, the loss of face-to-face conversations with friends, the loss of worshiping with my church family, the loss of hugs, of spontaneously meeting somebody for a cup of coffee. There's a lot of loss. So here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to identify acknowledge and be transparent about what you are feeling. And I mean really feeling. Find someone who is a safe place to share that, who will listen to you. If you don't have somebody who has that safe space for you, call me. I will listen. And of course, God always listens. We can pour our hearts out to Him, and we should. It's not like we're hiding anything from Him, right? We are all leaders in some sphere, and Christian leadership means being authentic, and that includes being authentic about how we feel. So that's the first thing, get in touch with how you're feeling and share it. The second thing is, I don't know about y'all, but I have been inundated with information this past week. I realized I had to manage that in some way. So the trick is to balance reliable information, and I stress reliable because there's a lot of junk information out there, reliable information so we can be prepared and not reach that tipping point into so much data overload that we wind up in panic. Okay, so I acknowledge my anxiety is a bit higher than normal this week. And I've had to learn how to identify that tipping point and put a boundary around it to protect myself from the bombardment of that information. Here are some other tips I have found helpful. And most of these were given to me, actually, by a very wise spiritual director from Laity Lodge before my first extended silent retreat. All of these are on the slides on the website, so don't worry about writing them down. One, establish a routine that's as close as to your normal routine as it can be. If you get up in the morning and make the bed, get up in the morning and make the bed. If you uh, get up in the morning and have hot tea, get up in the morning and have hot tea. If you get dressed and put makeup on, get dressed and put makeup on. You will probably not find me doing that. But the important thing is to have a routine. The second thing is to get moving. Whether you're in your own home or around the block, keeping physical distance, I think we're doing less of that now that we're supposed to shelter in place. Um, Breathing deeply, looking out a window, enjoying nature, getting gross motor exercise is good. If you're in a place where you can get out, get out. If you can't, 
oh, there's all kinds of things online, like a jazzercise class, or my personal favorite is laughter yoga. But get moving. That's important. The third thing, and some of you won't like this, drink more water and less caffeine and alcohol. Uh, Virtual happy hours are a lot of fun, but the fact is we all need to drink more water. The other thing is eat only when you're hungry. In times of stress, I don't know when I'm hungry. I just sort of snack all the time, and that in the long run, that's not very helpful. So eat only when you're hungry. The fourth thing is spend some time recalling the things that haven't changed, the things that haven't been canceled. Texas bluebonnets, sunrise, oak pollen, unfortunately, love, laughter, kindness. On Monday night, Harold and I got to attend a wedding on Facebook because this young couple wanted to get married and their wedding plans were going to have to be canceled because of all the new regulations in place. So they just spontaneously had it on Facebook. It was great to be able to celebrate them. That love and that marriage were not canceled. So make a list. Love, laughter, kindness, all kinds of things. It will lift your spirit. And then share that list with other people because it will lift their spirits too. Okay, number five, discover or rediscover the ancient rhythms. We've got time to do it now, right? Thomas, in his sermon on Sunday, encouraged us in one of the ancient rhythms, which was to practice gratitude. Make a list of the things you're grateful for. Make a gratitude jar. Put the things in that you're thankful for. You can pull them out anytime and look at them, and that is very, very encouraging. And it reorients us. Some other ancient rhythms are prayer, silence, solitude, meditation, reading your Bible. All of those orient us around God. These ancient practices are taught to us by the life of Christ, and they will feed our souls and our spirits. And of course, all of them lead to service, reaching out to other people whether you do that on the phone or virtually or through notes or cards. Um, Reaching out to others after you spend time with God is very important. Okay, number six, and this is the most important thing of all, is remember and remind yourself and others frequently that God has not changed. His attributes, His plan, His will... His love is the same today as it was when we started back in September. He hasn't changed a bit. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. Thomas's sermon on Sunday, the text was taken from Psalm 23. Very, very familiar. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Uh, Mary Zoll, who's a woman, wrote a um, devotional in the devotional book from Mockingbird, pointed out that if we relabel the name of the valley, we reorient. So what she said is, think about if we change the valley of the shadow of death and we name it the valley of no fear, because I will fear no evil. Doesn't that change things? And why can we do this? Because of the next verse, Thou art with me. 
Jesus is with us. We are not alone. Our good shepherd walks with us, and nothing can separate us from him. He not only walks with us, but he, he doesn't just watch us from, you know, the top of the mountain. He comes down into the valley with us, and he comes alongside us to protect us, to give us someone to lean on, to lead and to guide, to comfort. And that's the thing to remember, ladies. God is for us, and God is with us in whatever the way he is walking with us together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in these times of uncertainty and upheaval, lift our faces to you. Help us to know that your face is turned toward us and that you are the unshakable rock and the firm foundation under our feet, that you are the same today as you were last year, as you will be next year. Father, focus us on your love and your mercy. We are grateful for your wrath that you have saved us from because it turns us to you. And Father, in this time that uh, things are uncertain and upside down, we pray that you will use every moment of it to bring us closer to you and to bring other people closer to you. Let us continue to be lights in the darkness to shine and point other people to Christ. For we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.